0: We're going to be in Revelations chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. And as we always do, when you get there, if you would stand to give reverence to reading this Word. If you need to stay seated, um, uh, we understand. But if you have the means and you're able, I ask you to stand to give reverence to reading this Word. Revelations chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever and they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are You, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things, and by Your will they existed, and they were created. You can be seated. This morning we um, get to move to the third section of our outline in the book of Revelation. Now you remember there were three parts to this outline and it comes from Revelation chapter 1 verse 19. In Revelations chapter 1 verse 19, John is told, write the things that you have seen. So he has a responsibility and when you go to chapter 1 of Revelation, you're going to see that John writes what he has seen. And what he has seen is a vision of the glorified Jesus Christ walking among his churches. And so he wants us to know that the reason he is writing this book is to reveal, or at least one of the reasons he's writing this book, is to reveal to us that Jesus Christ is walking through the churches in the church age and that he is inspecting these churches and that he knows everything about these churches that you can come to church all you want to come to church, and you should, but Jesus knows you, and He knows your heart. Do you understand that this morning? And so the second part of this outline that we see in Revelation 1 verse 19, He says, Write therefore the things that are, not just the things you've seen, but the things that are the current condition of the churches. And so in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, You have, here are the things that are. These are the condition of the churches. And we've spent the last several weeks going through this so that we can see these are the different churches. Some of them are doing okay and they're doctrinally sound, but yet they've left their first love. Some of them are not doing well at all. Uh, Some of them are not faithful at all. Some of them are very faithful and, and Christ has nothing wrong to say with them, but He knows everything there is to know about each and every one of us. And so John writes the things that are the results of the inspection as Jesus walks through the church. As Jesus walks through every group of Christians that there is. He don't mean necessarily a building. He means the the believers that are in the world. They make up the church. And then the third part also comes from this outline in Revelation 1 verse 19. He says, write therefore the things that you have seen. That's chapter 1. Write those that are. That's chapter 2 and 3. And write those things that are to take place after this. And so he wants you to understand that Christ wants to reveal to you in this book of Revelation. He wants to unveil for you and, and help you to be able to see what is going to take place after the church age. And so after Revelations chapter 2 and 3, when you get into chapter 4, you get into the third part of the outline, and this is where you see, this is what is going to take place after the church age is over. And now remember, Christ wants you to see, I didn't give Nathan a scripture, but in Revelations chapter 1 and verse 1, you see that he lays out the purpose of why he's writing this book. Again, that's the outline. But the purpose of why he's writing it, reason he's recording the things that he's seen, the things that are, and the things that are to take place, comes from this verse right here. The revelation of Jesus Christ, that's what this is, which God gave Him to show to His servants the things that must take place soon. So what is His purpose of this book? To show His servants the things that must take place soon, Right? And so that's the reason why more than three-quarter of this book is focused on He wants His servants to know this is what is going to take place and it's going to take place soon. And so you have your purpose of what we're fixing to get into and you have your outline. The reason I lay these out is because as we study Revelation, one of my primary purposes is to help you understand that it's not impossible to understand. It's really not that difficult if you get backed out far enough to be able to see, here is the purpose of it, here is the outline of it, and here's how it's laid out. And when you read it in those light, in that light, then it actually becomes um, a lot easier to understand. The most important thing is, with the help of the Holy Spirit, He will help us understand this book. Alright? So let's get into this and see what we see. In light of those two things, the outline and the goal, Revelations chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, here's what we see. We see that um, after this are the first two words, right? Now do you remember what the outline said? Write the things that you have seen, write the things that are, and write the things that take place when? After this, after this church age, and so here we get into chapter 4 verse 1, and we're seeing the things that must take place, but have not taken place yet, because the church age is still present. We're still living in it. So in chapter 4 verse 1, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was standing open in heaven. Now this is an amazing thing. John is about to be able to walk into a part of heaven and see a certain part of heaven, not all of heaven. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, it's never even entered into the heart of man or the imagination of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. And so I'm very skeptical when it comes to people and their visions and their dreams of heaven. There are only a few people that ever had the opportunity to take a trip into the open door of heaven. And every one of those lay out very similar. It started, one of the first ones we've ever seen, was in the book of Exodus, I believe it was, chapter 24, Somewhere around in there, Moses and the elders were able to go up on high and have a vision of the Lord descending and they saw His throne and they saw... Th- they saw the. They're going see, you're going to see a lot of the similar things we're going to talk about here in just a minute. So that was one of the first ones. Isaiah and Isaiah six was another that he was invited to be able to see a glimpse of the throne room of God. And you'll remember, you should. I've preached it several times. Isaiah chapter six verse one. He said, um, um, He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on his throne. And so, there it is, he got it for me. And so what you see here is that every one of them that have this vision of heaven, they have a vision of it that they actually get to see a certain part of heaven. But they don't get to walk through and see their mansions like some of you TBN preachers get to walk through and they saw their mansions and they saw all their riches and they saw... Um, you don't even see that. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said he was caught up to the third heaven The first heaven being right here, the sky where the birds fly. The second heaven being outside of that where the planets and the stars reside. The third heaven being outside of that, which we don't even know where the end of that is. But the third heaven being the place where God resides. This is where He resides. And the Apostle Paul said, I was caught up to the third heaven. The Apostle Paul said, whether I was in the body, I don't know. Whether I was in the spirit, I don't know. Only God knows. The only thing I can tell you is that I made it to the third heaven. And the things that I heard and the things that I saw, a man can't even utter it. That's what Paul said. And yet, you got preachers, and I'm trying not to call names, but you got preachers on... TV in and all over the TV coming to you talking about they got to go visit their mansion and they got to walk down the, the street with, uh, with Jesus. and they, I mean, come on, the Apostle Paul said, I couldn't even say anything about it. But yet you saw it all. <laughs> Ain't you special? <clears throat> so anyway, this is a very rare event and none of their accounts even line up with the accounts that all line up in the Word of God. Every one of them. And so again, I'm very skeptical when it comes to people who claim these these visions and these trips to heaven. However, there are people that have made trips to heaven and in the Bible we get to see that they got to see the throne room of God. They didn't get to go anywhere else, but there was a door standing open and they got to go into the throne room of God. So in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1, John is invited to come up to heaven Again, this is the third heaven, the home of God. This is the place where Christ says He has gone to prepare a place for you. And if He goes to prepare a place, He will come again and receive you unto Himself, that where He is, you may be also. And so this is the place to where God is and Christ sits on His throne at the right hand of the Father. So He gets an open invitation to this thing. Interestingly, now think about this for a minute. For those of you that have followed the study... We just ended in Revelation chapter 3 with Christ standing at the church door and knocking. Now what does that tell you about the door? Was it open or closed? And so interestingly, the end of the church age, Christ is standing at the church at the door of the church knocking. And yet when we when we leave the church age and the faithful are called up to heaven, the faithful look up into heaven and it's not a closed door to heaven, it's a, it's an open door for the faithful. Now that's a beautiful picture for me to be able to see right there. But there's something I think is, is worth us bringing up. Now look at what happens next. He says, And the first voice which I heard it was speaking to me and it sounded like a trumpet. Now again, this is the same thing we hear from Moses and Exodus. No matter where you go in the Bible, when they hear God speak, it's like the sound of rushing waters, the sound of trumpets, the sound. It's always this, um, this blast sound that they hear. But it, he heard this voice and here's what it said. Come up here. <laughs> Now, this is funny to me. And I like, I like trying to find the humor, not because I'm just trying to find it. I believe God is a humorous God. Now, why did God tell John, come up here? I mean, what's He going to do? Right? And yet, I mean, here, here He is telling John. John sees this open door standing open in the third heaven, and he hears a voice that says, come up here, and I'm going to show you some things that must take place after this. And the only thing I can think of, John, if he'd have been in our age, he'd have looked back and said, beam me up, Scotty. That's the only thing I can think of that that would have took place here. But either way, he's invited to come up, and he is invited to enter into this part of heaven. And the Bible says next that in verse 2, at once I was in the Spirit. At once. Literally, this is a fast trip. Now, I'm not going to go through the math on you on just what we know of the observable universe, but um, just the short version of it, it's just what we have been able to see of our universe. is somewhere around 186,000 light years from one end to the other. Now, a light year means this. Um, I'm sorry, 13.8 billion light years from one end to the other. And a light year is this. It's 186,000, don't quote me on this, I'm close, 186,000 miles per second. If you could travel that fast, 186,000 miles every second. If you could go that fast, it would still take you 13.8 billion years to travel At that speed, from one end of the universe to the other end of the universe. And that's just what we call the observable universe. That's as far as we are able to see. And yet, here the Apostle John says, at once I was in the Spirit and I was there. This is a fast trip that's just been made to the third heaven. And so this, again, these are some amazing visions that God is laying out for us to see. And remember the purpose. He wants us to see these things. That's why He writes them down. He wants you to see it. And so let's keep going and see what we have, what we have next. Next, John wants to set the scene for you. And the focus of this entire chapter of chapter four, there is some worship that goes on. The worship is more the focus of chapter five. So we'll get into that next week. But the focus of chapter four is this throne. And especially the one who sits on this throne. And so look again at chapter, at chapter four, verse two. He says, at once I was in the Spirit, and behold. When they say behold, they mean, you got to see this. Look at this. And behold, a throne. Now it's important you understand that this is not just a nice little chair that's just sitting at the front of the stage. This is a throne. When they say a throne, they're talking about a seat that is fit for the master of the house. And when John looks, he sees, just like Isaiah did, a throne. And now he don't say that it is high and lifted up, but we have indications in here that he saw the same thing. Ezekiel saw the same thing because these uh, living creatures that we're fixing to talk about in a minute that are flying around, they are actually under the throne on the sides of it. And so this throne is high and it is lifted up. And what we see here is John wants you to understand that this is a symbol of absolute power. This is a symbol of absolute sovereignty, of supreme reign. And you should see this throne. The reason I know that, go with me down through chapter 4 for just a minute. In chapter 2, he says that he saw a throne. Then he says he saw one seated on the throne. And then in verse 3, it says... um, He that sat there had this appearance. And then it goes, and around the throne, there was this. And then in verse 4, notice what he says. Around the throne were this. And then in verse 5, he says, from the throne, this is what happens. And at the end of verse 5, look what he says. Um, I'm sorry, I think I'm here somewhere. Maybe it's not verse 5. Yeah, it's at the end of verse 5. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire. So you got around the throne, on the side of the throne, before the throne, uh, coming from the throne. Everything in this is focused toward this throne. And so we can take this teaching and understand that what God wants you to see in this is what? He wants you to understand that there is a throne in heaven unlike any other throne. And then He's going to show you the scene of what's going on around this throne, on this throne, because He wants you to see what's going to happen from this throne. And what you're going to find out is that supreme power is fixing to happen from this throne. Absolute sovereignty is fixing to happen from this throne. And there is nothing and no one who can do anything to change any of it. These are the things, um, I think it was in chapter 4. Yeah, look look at, look at verse um, 1 again in chapter 4. Look at the end of it right here. Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. He wants you to understand that there is a power and there is a supreme reign coming from this throne. And when this power comes from this throne, it must take place. There is nothing that can stop this. And so let's take a look at some of the things that we see Here. Um, the first thing we see is the throne. And again, it's high and lifted up, greater than any other throne you've ever seen, declaring the sovereignty, the supreme reign, and the supreme power of God. The second thing we see in uh, verse 2 is the one seated on the throne. The one seated on the throne has the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. Now Jasper, according to Revelations 21 verse 11, I probably didn't give you this one either. Now, Jasper was a very clear, it was clear as crystal. You you would consider it to be in the likeness of a diamond today. So when you hear something made of Jasper, when they see something that looked like Jasper, has the appearance of Jasper, he's not telling you it's a diamond. He's telling you that this is something that looks just like a diamond looks. It is clear in every way. And when these colors go through it, the prisms just shoot it every which direction they go. And so from this throne, this and this person that sits on it has a human appearance according to Ezekiel chapter 1. He has a human appearance and he's sitting on it and he has these colors coming from it, but they're shooting out and they're coming out in the colors. Some people say rubies. Some, uh, some of the translations say sapphire, some of the translations say sardis, some of the translations um, say carnelian, like what we read right here. But the point being, there John saw what looked like this bright orange coming from this thing, shooting in all different directions. Ezekiel saw what looked like fires of flame coming from it, which also describes what color. The same orange to red, orange to bright red color. No matter where you go in these visions, they see the same things. And so we see this one sitting on the throne in human form, supreme reign, supreme power, and yet He has the appearance of a diamond that is just blasting out bright orange and bright red colors. Keep that pictured. Let's keep going. (coughs) In um, verse 3, And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne, so now you want to see what it looks like around it, was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Anybody remember what the rainbow was for? The rainbow was what God gave as a sign of the covenant that He made with Noah and every other creature on the face of this earth. You remember? Remember? And so here we have this rainbow here and it is believed, and I believe it. I don't know that this is what it is, but I believe this is what it is. I believe that this is the sign of the covenant that God made with all mankind that He would never destroy the earth with the flood again. But let me tell you what God is fixing to get ready to do. In this picture, you're seeing God preparing to do what? Destroy everything that is not for Him but is against Him. And what you see here is the rainbow that is a sign that says, I'm not going to do it this way. In my wrath, I'm going to remember mercy. And in my wrath, I'm going to do it a whole nother way. And so we see here a picture of God getting ready. When you see these colors coming from Him, uh, anybody remember what the bullfighters used to get out? What color did they fight the bull with? And the red was supposed to make the bull what? And so red is a is a color that is always represented uh, anger. It's always represented wrath. And so what you see here is supreme power, supreme reign on the throne and He is getting ready to unleash His wrath on the world. And there's the rainbow around this throne as a reminder that this is the covenant that is made with all creation that we won't do it this way ever again. Now let's keep going to the third part in verse 4. The first part of verse 4 says, around the throne were 24 elders. And so first the rainbow was around the throne, but then John notices there are 24 other thrones and then on these 24 thrones there are 24 elders that are seated on the throne. So we have to ask the question, who are these? Well, let's look at what it says about them. It says they were seated on the thrones, were 24 elders. They were clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head. Does anybody remember the promises that Christ made to the church in the church age, to the faithful church in chapters 2 and 3? He said, He said, I'm going to give you white garments. He said, I am going to give the conqueror the crown of life. Now these white garments were garments that were given to people who overcame. These crowns were given to people who overcame. To the one who conquers, I will give him the crown of life. This, When you translate this word, it's not talking about the crown that a king wears. That's another word. I think it was called diadem or something like that. This is another word that's called stephanos. And this is a word that means a victor's crown. It's a crown that's been presented to the one that has overcome in victory. And so based on those two promises, who can we assume that these 24 elders are? It's the church, right? And so we have to ask the question, why is it just 24? Where does the 24 come from? Well, another thing that, that John MacArthur noted in this, and it was interesting for me to go back and study it, when David set up the temple in the Old Testament, you remember, when God commanded the temple to be built and to be established, he was painting a picture of things to come, right? And during this time, the, uh, David sets up and he, he, puts the people in service where they're supposed to be. And for all the priests that would serve in the temple, He set up 24 for all of their divisions. And so you had 24 heads that represented the whole division of the priest. When He did the musicians and the singers, and you can find this in 1 Chronicles 24 and 1 Chronicles 25 if you wanted to go back and read it for yourself. But when it comes to setting up the musicians and the singers, He set up 24 heads that represented all of the musicians. So you had 24 that represented all of the priests. You had 24 that represented all of the musicians and the singers. And so what does that tell you here about the throne room of heaven? 24 of the church that represents all of the saved. All of the church. Now, there's been some that interpret this to say that this is the twelve apostles because Jesus told the twelve apostles that I'm going to set thrones up for you. There are also some that say that twelve apostles and the other twelve are the twelve tribes of Israel. And between the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, you get twenty-four heads that represent all of the church. Whether that's who it is or not, I don't know. But I do know that the ones that receive white garments and the ones that receive crowns and victors' crowns are the ones that conquered in the church. The ones that conquered by faith. And so what you have here is 24 of somebody that is a representative group of all of the church. And so keep in mind, the church is already here in heaven before... The great tribulation is before God's final wrath is poured out. You see that? And so when we get to the close of this thing, it's important for you to understand, there are only two groups of human beings here. Before the final wrath of God is poured out, all this we're fixing to study from Revelations chapter 6 to Revelations chapter 19. Before all of this is poured out onto the world, you have... A group that has been raptured up and sits in the throne room of heaven with God as He prepares to pour out His wrath. And then you have another group of human beings and where are they? They're still here. And they are fixing to be the ones that the final wrath of God is going to be poured out on. And so the question you have to ask as we study this, which group do you want to make sure you're in? It ain't the one that stays here. It's the faithful that go to receive their white garments and their crowns. So that's what you have around the throne. Now, let's go to verse 5. By the way, I want to read a Scripture to you. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15 through 18. Because all of this that we're saying lines up with the rest of Scripture. So 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15, listen to what it says. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep or who have died. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You remember the church that He said, I'm going to deliver you from the hour of great trial? because you have been faithful to Me in all the other tests. Here you have a picture of the faithful church that because you have proven faithful in in staying true to Christ through all the other tests, when Christ comes back, He is going to take you out of this world before the final wrath of God comes. And you are going to be in this group represented by this 24 before all this tribulation takes place. And believe you me, You do not want to be here when all this tribulation takes place. Verse 5 of chapter 4 in Revelation, here's what we see next. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. From the throne. So again, we're focused on the throne, but here is what is coming from it. Flashes of lightning, rumblings. This word can also be translated... Utterances or voices or cries. So from the throne you have these flashes of lightning. From the throne you have these voices and these cries that are coming out. And here's what I believe these voices and cries are. I'm not saying this is what it is, but I believe this is what it is. And here's what you get. I want you to look at um, Revelations chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. It says, when He opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the Word of God and for the witness they had borne. So under the altar, right? Under the altar, the souls of those who had been slain for the Word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before You will judge and avenge our blood on those who would dwell on the earth? And i got many other verses that I don't have time to take you to. Luke chapter 18, Revelations chapter 8. There are several verses I could take you to to show you that the prayers of the saints are at this altar and at this throne. And they are being offered up to God as He sits on His throne. And all of these prayers are the prayers of the suffering saints that have cried out, God, how long before You come destroy this enemy that keeps attacking us? How long before you come and avenge your name on this earth? How long, O sovereign Lord? And so what I believe you're hearing coming from this throne are the tears and the cries and the sufferings of all of the saints of the church. And they're coming up before God as these prayers and you're hearing these cries take place in this because He's fixing to answer every one of them. Now here's the application you need to understand for this today. Listen to me, church, because if you suffer at all as a Christian, if the devil has come and asked for you to get you in any way, you need to hear this. You need to understand that every tear that you have ever shed, I don't care what it's for, as long as it was for your faith, every tear has been counted. Every cry has been heard. There is not a single prayer that has went by God and He didn't hear it. They all landed right in this altar of incense. We're going to read about here in just a little bit. We won't get there today. But you're going to see this as it takes place. All of these prayers are being offered up before God. And as they're offered up before God, you are going to see that God is fixing to answer every prayer and pour out His wrath on all all the prayers that He's heard. Y'all excuse me for just a minute. Sorry, I'm working (laughs) both ways. All right. So that's what I believe you have coming from the throne. So let's read it again. Verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And so before the throne, you have the Holy Spirit on fire in front of this throne. Here's the picture that I think God wants you to see. He wants you to see that these things must take place and they are going to take place. And they are going to come from an angry father. They are going to come from an angry God. They are going, you know, I've told you this before, I used to drive by this church in Huntsville that had this sign on the side of the road and it would say, God is not angry with you no matter what. And I thought to myself, if you only knew. (laughs) If you only knew. God is angry with all of this creation. And the only thing that satisfies that anger is the blood and the broken body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that makes atonement for the things that have made Him angry. And so here we have this angry God that is now at a point, and when you see these flashes of lightning, and when you see this fiery color coming from Him, and when you see this throne high and lifted up, and the rainbow around Him, and you see the church gathered around, and they're safe, they're no longer in this thing, now God is in a place that He can do what? He can unleash His wrath in fullness. And so what you have in Revelations chapter 4 and Revelations chapter 5 are the preparation of God getting ready to unreach, unleash His wrath. And when you get into chapter 6, you're going to see that what He does in chapter 6 is He establishes these living creatures that are flying around. I ain't got time to tell you about those. That's an interesting study too. If we had about another four or five hours, we'd go through that. We ain't got it, so we're not going to go there. But he establishes these four living creatures as the instruments that dispel his wrath. And so, all this time, when you see these, on Valentine's Day, you see these things they call cherubim. And what do you picture, how do you picture these cherubim on Valentine's Day? What are they? Little cuddly, got a belly on them, and they got a little bow, right? Let me tell you something. That ain't what cherubim are. And they ain't got nothing to do with Valentine's Day. We're going to find that out next week as well. Next week we're going to get into chapter 5 and you're going to see a worship service begin at the end of chapter 4 like you have never seen before in your life. And it all gets started with these four living creatures as they see God for who He is. And they start a worship service that begins with four and then it goes into 24 and then it goes into 28 and then it goes into myriads and myriads and myriads and thousands upon thousands of angels and this thing grows and it starts out with a cappella and then it adds instruments. And then here, man, before we get to the end of chapter ten, or chapter 5, you're going to see a worship service like you have never seen in your life. And it all came because four creatures saw God. And when they saw God, they didn't look through the hymnal and go, well, what do I want to sing today? They saw God and they said, here's what we say about Him. Here's what we sing. And here's where they go with it. So we're going to stop there this week. Um, If y'all would stand. Here's my closing. Here's the question that I have to ask. These things must take place soon, right? Which group of people are you in? Which group of people are you in? Because as long as you are still drawing breath, you have an opportunity to be in the church covered by the blood and broken body of Jesus Christ. And if you are not in that group, then I want to tell you, it's not going to be good when chapter 6 gets here. And it is coming, and it must take place soon. And so my prayer for you today is that everybody here is part of the faithful church. And if you're not, I pray you'd humble yourself before Him, cry out to Him, ask Him for forgiveness, repent of whatever sin is in your life, whatever you need to do. You know know, repentance is a daily thing, right? (laughs) It's not just a weekly thing. It's not just a yearly thing. It's a daily thing. And I pray that if that's what you need this morning, you would hear this Word and see what God wants you to see and that before you leave, that you're ready for what must take place.